Welcome to the Marshall Street Podcast. Pay attention to the clock. Gillen. Got it! Where two washed up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, home by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 24. Now, here are your hosts, Jake and Keith. Where's it from? He's gone! Johnny has won it! Welcome to episode 25 of the Marshall Street Podcast, where two washed-up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallStreetPod44, and like, share, retweet, and tell your friends about us to help the podcast grow. It's the football preview. Keith, how are we doing? Are we excited? Yeah, excited to, excited to have football back. We'll, we'll talk about our levels of optimism. Uh, but I'll just say it's it's been a while, but we're back, and Q's football is about to be back, so can't complain quite yet, at least. It has indeed been a while, just busy with work, the both of us, and then there's been not a ton going on. We're going to first talk about the stuff that actually happened, Syracuse-wise. We're going to go through that like 10 minutes, so if you want to skip ahead, skip ahead, but we're going to fire through that, and then the rest will be about football. So let's start with what was actually a really fun couple weeks, Bayheim's Army. Won TBT for the first time. They won the final 69-67 over Team 23. Uh, Tyrese Rice was MVP. I get, like in, in true Syracuse basketball fashion, no game was easy. They were all pain in the ass games to finish out. Uh, last pro games for Eric Dievendorf and Tyler Lydon, which was a little bit surprising when you first sent me that tweet, Keith. Um, and I think the coolest part about winning the whole thing, everyone on staff for the our actual school team was – at the final, Beheim was there. Jimmy and Buddy were there. GMAC was there. The assistants were there. It was awesome. Um, Keith, what do you think about the whole Beheim's Army tournament? And what do you think about TBT in general? Do you usually enjoy it? Oh, yeah. I love TBT. Ever since the first year that Q's got involved way back, was this year six now, I think? I've been following along to different levels, depending on what I have going on. But just always fun and i think they found a good mix of like overseas elites not back this year we can grab some of their guys and like dj kennedy for instance was the as seth greenberg said about thirty thousand times the lebron james of the tbt he wasn't he loves he dj really kennedy moved the needle like <laughs> a crazy crazy amount it ended up being tyrese rice and uh Kiefer sykes had a couple good games so Chris McCullough was that. the best SU alum. McCullough was the best SU guy by far. Dude, CJ, um, I feel like had a really good tournament, but he just didn't play a lot. Like he looks, he looked good the entire. How about Demondorf didn't didn't play a ton too, and I know his age is up there, but yeah, he played a little. My, he played I think all in the semis, he played a little bit in the championship game. Like yeah, he they was on him the in the semis. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the whole thing was the post game with Devo and how was, awesome. he has not changed one bit. Like I listened to his podcast and everything. So I know, he, you know, I still follow him, but he has not changed one bit since he like with the fire and, and he's changed personally, I'm sure, but just the fire <laughs> he plays with and, you know, swearing within the first five words of his post game interview. I'm just like, I love to see it. I like, guess incredible. So cool. 
Yeah, that was a fun run. It was nice to see uh, Syracuse basketball in the summer when it was kind of the dog days and it was just the Olympics were winding down. It was just baseball on. It was nice to have something else to watch. It was so much fun. Um, so jumping from the TBT, we did have a resolution with the women's basketball team situation. Everyone knows the allegations. We're not going to fire through them again. But Coach Q did resign. Um, John Wildhack posted a statement. I'm going to read it through really quick, so just bear with me. Uh, the university has accepted Coach Quentin Hillsman's res- resignation. Coach Hillsman and I agree that parting ways is the is in the best interest of the university, the program, and our student athletes. We wish him him and his family the best. Interim leadership will be for the women's basketball program will be announced in the coming days. And there was a little bit more about the external law firm coming in to do their investigation. Uh, the new head coach or interim head coach or acting head coach is the phrase that SU used is Von Reed. He was the associate head coach um, at SU. He's been on staff since 2011. He's also coached at Albany and Kentucky and various other pro basketball. So he's been around. He knows what he's doing. Keith, were you surprised when Q resigned? I, I, I The writing was on the wall when that athletic article came out. Like There was no way around it. Yeah, I think it was inevitable. The first athletic article came out that dropped the whole story and then another one came out with just the follow-up from the athletic program and how it was all handled just seemed like the writing was on the wall and again not making light of any of these allegations but allegations aside anytime you have what 14 players leaving the same season something's yeah. clearly wrong um and i think there's the allegations obviously on the roster right worse, now so like yeah so i'm not really surprised and we'll see where they go from here and next next year might be rough for the women's team. Um, just new era, cleanly if move on. Um, also, a couple of administrators lost their job. Uh, Deputy AD and Senior Women's Administrator Kim Keenan Kirkpatrick and Director of Program Management and Development Cedric Souls were both fired. They were named in the second athletic. Well, that was what was the no longer with no longer employees of of Syracuse. No University, longer with so the program. Fired they, they, employees. They got fired. <laughs> Yeah, just want to be factually correct, but most likely, yeah. Right. Um, so that'll be he. He will be the Vaughn will be the coach next year, and then we'll be looking for a new coach, uh, probably around next March. Um, men's basketball. Kadir Copeland committed to SU, three star, um, according to twenty four seven. He was the third commit in the twenty twenty two class. Now it is just him and Justin Taylor after Kamari Lands decommitted. Uh, Copeland had picked SU for Maryland, Miami, Oklahoma State, Oregon, and some other schools. Uh, number 24 combo guard. And at the time when it was the three of them, that was SU at the number five class in 20, for 2022. I'm not sure what it is now without Kamari. So, Keith, what do you think about Kamari decommitting? I think that's kind of a bigger story than Kadir Copeland com- coming in. I thought it was interesting the way he, what he, he worded it saying he wanted to get recruited with NIL. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of it. I There were reports when it first happened that even the coaches were a little surprised that he committed in the first place. But you look at his offer sheet, and it's – I know Maryland was on there, a few other schools, and then no, nothing really more impressive than SU. And then the moment he decommits, Kansas jumps convenient, in like that. Convenient that Kansas <laughs> so comes in right away. That happened mm. before, after, but kind of a shame um, – would have loved to see him in orange, but that's the way things go now. And 
I think I've seen a lot of people, I don't know about you, that are just like, okay, this this one maybe put it over the top for me where I'm at the point where I just can't even get excited about recruiting anymore until these people are actually yeah. on campus and playing. And and I kind of agree with that because it's – you got Dior, you got Baisley, and you got now uh, yeah. Kamari Lance. So. You're not, you're not going to know who else is going to decommit from other schools too. So, yeah, I wouldn't even get excited about, like you said, until they're actually – like like I wasn't excited about Benny till he stepped foot on campus. I'm like, okay, yeah. we're good. He's going to play. <laughs> Now, I do wonder if SU's long-term thing is is attacking the portal. Like, you look at Cole Swider this year, who didn't work out in Villanova, could be a really key piece for us. If we just obviously still recruit guys, but really mine that portal for guys who can come in right away, have a full mm-hmm. season to, to prep. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, still excited for the class and can add a couple, one or two more pieces if need be. The portal's there for a reason, so I think it would be kind of be foolish just to ignore it. So I think it'll be a, definitely be a big part going forward. Um, la- last couple things before we get to football. Uh, four jerseys, New Jersey we retired. Katie Rowan from Women's Lacrosse, Felicia Lega Jack. We had the first two females. Oh, excuse me, and Anna Goodall, who was a rower. I think I'm just going to put her name up because rowers don't have numbers. First three females have their numbers retired at Syracuse. And Gary Gate, who I thought – didn't realize he didn't have his number retired. <laughs> Will also uh, have his number retired. And then SU Villanova in the Jimmy V Classic is set for December 7th at Madison Square Garden. They'll be the second game of a doubleheader. Tennessee, Texas Tech will be at 7. SU will probably tip off around 9.15, 9.30. And I will be there. So I'm very excited. Nice. You get to see uh, Scotty Reynolds up close for his 12th season at Villanova. <laughs> Scotty <laughs> Reynolds. That's a name. Oh. That's a blast from the past. Got a he was the, he was a GMAC of Nova. Like everyone yeah. across the country was like, "How many years of eligibility does this guy have?" Well, you, you also could... a, you talk about an NIL candidate. <laughs> I mean, that guy never had a big pro career NBA wise. He would have raked it in a Nova he when he was playing. Ton of money at Villanova. All right, Keith. Is there anything else random crap wise you want to talk about, or should we just jump to football? Let's talk some football. All right. So moving on to football, I am very excited it's back, even though I may not be the most optimistic person in the world uh, when it comes to this season. So let's take a very, very brief recap of last season. And I'm going to say very brief because it was terrible. <laughs> one in 10 record in the ACC, a one in 10 record overall playing 10 ACC games. The only non-conference game was that Liberty lost. The, our only win came against Georgia Tech on September 26th, followed by an eight game losing streak. But in all fairness, we played most of the year with 60 scholarship players. Um, like, I don't even want to talk about last year ever again. Like, let's just put it, put it in, put it to bed, bury it. Let's move Jake, on. Don't don't act like I didn't see on the message board saying that we should bring <laughs> Greg Robinson back. I saw it. I saw it. Shit, we no, no, no. If he he's probably he's he's probably banned from Syracuse. Like, if he ever crossed the city line, SPD would be on him so fast. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, so looking forward to 2021. I, people I've seen were very excited on social media, a little more optimistic than personally me, but no players in the ACC preseason poll, all ACC preseason, and we were picked to finish last in the ACC Atlantic. Um, just a couple other disheartening stats. SU's only won more than two ACC games in a year twice. 38 and 59 has joined the conference. It's it hasn't been the best adjustment since coming to the ACC, but those numbers are kind of jarring. <laughs> I've always wondered, 
this is revisionist history because Doug Marone kind of got out after I think he played one ACC season, right? Or was he? Or was that Schaefer year one? Either way, I'm I'm curious how Marone would have done long term in the ACC, like whether he could not consistently first, kept us around six wins. That first year was Schaefer, and that's a good question. When we did our um our top five what ifs since 2010, that was on mine because yeah. I feel like he would have been. We were changing coaches and changing conferences at the same time. I think if Marone had stayed, would have created some more stability. Maybe we're not in the hole, I'm going to say, that we are now. But you yeah. never know. And I, I brought this up to you, but I'm not in the camp of Fire Gino right now. I think he's he's earned this year to go out and prove it. But I don't know. The the idea of a Marone reunion isn't isn't crazy. <laughs> I mean, he's he's back at Alabama as the online coach. Let's say they win a championship this year. He's it's more stress free than his NFL jobs. We've seen Shiano <laughs> do it. We've seen uh, Randy Edsel do it at UConn. We see Mac Brown go back exam. to UNC. Mac. So I'm I'm just saying it's uh I called it. If it if it happens, I called it. If it doesn't happen, then you can just delete this clip. The second <laughs> Ohio goes up seven nothing next weekend, Keith's gonna send me just a picture of Doug Marone's face. <laughs> <laughs> a bologna sandwich. <laughs> um well, let's talk about our current head coach, Dino Babers. He's 24 and 36 in the last five seasons at SU. Four in five seasons at SU. Four of them have been losing seasons. And this is an interesting quote from the Phil Steele uh, preview. Sometimes I'm surprised when a coach is let go, but I was surprised Syracuse opted to retain Babers. So, personally, I wasn't because, like I said last year, I kind of thought it was a mulligan because of just the mess of circumstances coming around it. And even if it wasn't, Phil Steele has every college team to cover, so I'm not surprised. But just the buyout factor alone was going to yes. keep him around, let alone anything, you know, whether he has or hasn't earned it. It's kind of relevant because that buyout is keeping him here, at least for this season. Look, that being said, I still think he's probably coaching for his job this year. I, I don't think that's I agree. up for debate. I think I he's agree. just coaching for his job. And I think to keep it, he probably has to get six. Like, I think he's we got to make a bowl game. Like, And I don't. I don't see how even if we win four or five games, like that's quadruple win total from last year, but you're still looking at in his tenure, we went four and eight, four and eight, ten and three, four and eight, one and ten, four or five and seven, four and one and ten and four and eight. Like Yeah. No, I, I said it this I said it to you too. If if we end up going three wins or less this season, which if you look at all the national publications, they all think we are. <laughs> now, Hughes fans may have a different outlook, just like they did in 2018 and were correct. Um, kind of the opposite in 2019 when everyone thought we'd be better and we weren't. But if Dino wins three games or less, he he's, will he's, he's have a lesser winning percentage than Scott Schaefer. He will yeah. fall below Schaefer. And I'll say I'm a little more – on the train of they keep him. I know I've heard Stephen Bailey say as much too. It's something I think his quote was have to go disastrously wrong this year for him to be fired. I think six gets him off the hot seat. I think four and five keeps his job, but is on the hot seat for real next year. And I think three or less gets him fired. That's, that's my take on it. I based on what I've been reading, like I think wild hack is very in his corner. 
I think you're going to have a hard time justifying keeping him another year if we only win four or five games again. Like the money, yeah, that's it. money to, to the to the practical perspective, sure. To the fan base, you're absolutely yeah. right. You can. That's a tough sell to the fan base. Does it does it make practical sense to say okay, if we have to eat all this buyout, what money do we have to to hire the coach we want to rebuild and set this program straight? But do fans really care about that? Those excuses, like no, they're they they're like we've seen a losing product every season besides 2018 and the one I'm gone. But I don't know. Wild Heck, he's I think. The past six months, he's dealt with more kind of turmoil, tough decisions than he has in his first couple of years as, as AD. With the pandemic on top of it. Pandemic, too. Yep. But that'll be interesting um, to keep. That'll be an interesting to keep thing to keep talking, keep our minds keep as the season goes on. Um, <sighs> Keith's right. It's the what was the money reported at? Like, how much was it? You told me. I forget what it was. The Dio had a figure of about twenty three million, I think, and that was last season with four years. I don't want to uh, put fake numbers out there, so I'll let you keep going, and I'll get the exact figures. But yeah, that that buyout is pretty massive, right? And Keith's right. Where when it comes to money, and if like if we win four or five, and they don't fire, you know, keep them for another year. Monetarily, it makes sense, but I think fans are going to be really, really frustrated. If we go, if we win, if we go four and eight or five and seven again, there's no postseason, and we're still going to keep the coach because it's basically like I'm going to steal from the Sixers. It's still you have to trust the process, kind of thing. I, I think fans, me included, will be very upset when it's been made clear from things that have happened with the ACC, and we'll talk about the alliance at the end. That football yeah. is the most important thing when it comes to the administration and when it comes to the athletic department. And I don't know how they can be comfortable with continually going four and eight with the one ten win season. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay that ten win season. That was awesome. That was our senior yeah. year. That was a great way to go out. But everything else is four and eight, four and eight, one and ten. Like I don't know. I'd be very yeah. frustrated with that. And uh, I got the number here. So the Daily Orange um, reporting that Babers. This was ten months ago. Four years remaining on his contract. So this was right towards the end of last season. Four years remaining with the buyout that could cost more than seventeen million. So you figure after this season, let's say things go south, you're still looking at about fourteen, thirteen, fourteen million that you owe the guy. That's not cheap. That's tough to come by when you when you're talking uh, basically at doubling the the salary for your coach when you figure paying the new one. So that's. I think that's a big factor. I think had the buyout, had the contract not been extended, I think this is a whole different conversation, but uh, lots of layers to it. Remember we were worried that USC was going to hire Dino after 2018? Yeah, yep. Oh, man. Can we go back to 2015 when Coach O was like, yeah, I'd be highly interested (laughs) in coming back to home at Syracuse? Oh, man. Anyway, let's see. We got two new coaches on staff this year. Terrence Samuel comes in as the wide receiver coach, and our new offensive line coach is Mike Schmidt. Came over from San Diego State. Those lines have always been historically solid. I'm not going to pretend to be an offensive line expert. There's not really any stats to back it up. But PFF had our O line 
as 113th in FBS last year and next to last in the ACC. So there's really nowhere else to go but up. And Mike Schmidt's got a good resume, so we're happy with that. Um, yeah, he was moving... really good on the Phillies. <laughs> yeah, yes, he was. Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's jump. We're going to go offense, then defense. We're going to also go kind of by position as we talk, and then we'll go through the schedule and make our really early predictions. So the offense last year was a mess and people kind of noticed. And there are a couple quotes I want to read. These are long. Let's we're going to, I'm going to read them. And we're going to talk about them before we start going into positions. So this is from the Athlon season preview anonymous opposing coaches, trash orange is the new fast saying of Syracuse. If you had to was, that the, one, was that the exact headline or was that your, your interpretation I, of it? I think I took it from the orange fizz. That's how they worded it. And oh, like, okay. Gotcha. Um, whoever, whoever wrote that headline is, is pretty savage. <laughs> if you had <laughs> one program that falls apart this year, it's probably here or Duke right now. It's a train wreck, at least externally. Dino has a lot of respect in our league. It's just that the era of go real fast and throw verts has sort of run its course compounded by the fact that other teams in this league run that system better and with better players. I wait, don't wait, see wait. Th- hold, hold on for a second there. I just want to ask this question. What other ACC teams run this offense? I mean, they go no huddle, but not <laughs> like... Right. And I, I get that's why it's around the league, but I agree to an extent. I just think, like, an offense just doesn't suddenly get figured out. It's not like, oh, Georgia Tech, everyone's running the option now. So that's why, like, <laughs> that's that's far from the only factor. But I do agree to an extent. And then the last of that quote was, I don't see things getting much better for them because the offensive scheme is really the identity and recruiting to it when you're up in New York just isn't going to work. And I don't, I think that's a fair take. Um, but that's a whole other conversation that we're going yeah, for right here. And I, I love, like, talking about the overall program stuff which is why i'm gonna take you on like the fifth tangent i'm on today but i i have had discussions with some people who sources say it's it's (laughs) tough to have yeah scoop scoop alert no um i've had some friends who have said like we're in the north like we should really embrace the the kind of pittsburgh bc like you have the legacy with all the running backs to just be like a really ground and pound team and just like bring that tough style back, which is kind of the opposite of, of what we're at now. I'm not saying the guys aren't tough, but that's might change a little bit this year though, with the running backs that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, but you factor that. So you're in New York and that's, that's one reason for it. Now the other reason against it is you're in a dome, (laughs) which is, which is a big benefit, but just an interesting if, if you were, like, to be dropped on this earth one second and, like, bring the Syracuse program back from being, like, not – like, let's say the program folded and you're in charge of figuring its identity and, like, bringing the program back from not having a program. Like a UAB situation, right? Mm-hmm. Would you would you do, like, the Dino-style offense or would you do kind of like a I-formation, ground-and-pound? What do you think? Like, if you had to pick between the two. I think it's probably easier to recruit to the – if you're a new program, it's probably easier to recruit to the ground-and-pound type guys, um, especially where we are in, in the Northeast. Um, yeah. Someone, someone – there was a tweet I saw today. I forget who tweeted it. I'm sorry. But it was like the top 10 players in New York, and only one had committed to Syracuse. 
And like I think one through seven were committed. Only one was Syracuse, and the other, the top, the seven, eight, and not not eight, nine, and ten were undecided. And I'm like, how are we not even getting the top athletes in New York State? <laughs> like, yeah. Let me see if I can find that's, that. That's tweet. something. Not to go back to Marone again, but that's something I felt like Marone was really good at was just getting everyone from New York. Keith loves him some Doug Marone. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. It was the last time I felt the program was sustainably good. I'm not, I don't think like he's a, you know, Chip Kelly revolutionizing Oregon's offense type guy. I think he's a guy who could basically be like a new age coach P almost and just keep us at that nationally relevant bowl team. Okay. Here's the tweet. It's from CFB talk daily on Twitter. Um, the top 10 football players in New York are currently committed to so This is going in order. Number one players, I don't know who they are. Number one's going to Rutgers, two and three to Pitt, four and five to Penn State, six to Buffalo, seven to Duke, eight to Syracuse, and nine and ten are undecided. So that's what the only name I hear on that list that has like a considerable advantage to us is Penn State. Penn State. Like the others aren't unrealistic that we beat. One of them is Buffalo. One of them yeah. is Buffalo, who is a max school. Yeah. And no district to Buffalo. I know they're a good program. Who just had a coaching change, dude. Right. Right. So. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, going it's back got to, negative pretty quick. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get much better. <laughs> <laughs> and I told you before, I was like, I'm, I'm usually pretty optimistic. Like, oh, man, hopefully we can get to six this year if things shake out right. That was kind of in the shape here and stuff. And then. Obviously, higher expectations when Dino had success, but now I'm just like, eh, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm less optimistic than I usually am. So, I do think six is possible. I just don't know if we're going to get there. Um, offense averaged 265 yards per game last year, which was the worst since 2006, and only 17.8 points per game. But Phil Steele did say he does expect the unit to be one of the nation's most improved as we're getting lined and back. As we got our running back depth is better. We're going to have a healthy quarterback one way or another. God, I hope so. <laughs> Wait, did but, you just quote Phil Steele like five minutes ago saying that uh, he's shocked that Dino got hired, wasn't fired, and now he's like, yes. well, they're looking pretty good this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, let's jump into offensive positions to start with quarterback. Um a lot of talk about the quarterback competition at camp. It does seem like Tommy DeVito is going to be the starter again, based on everything that we're reading, um, which, okay. But uh, I, was looking, I was listening to Lockdown today, and they made the point of how saying Tommy DeVito in practice is not the same Tommy DeVito that we see in games sometimes, because there are times where Tommy looks like he's totally lost. How he, again, he was hurt last year, 50% completion percentage, only four touchdowns in the games. He played two picks before he broke his – I forget what he broke, but he broke something. Um, and he did get hit a ton. To me, that was a big thing. Now, the offensive line is going to be better. But I feel like Tommy's going to have a really short leash, especially if the offensive line is still kind of leaky because Schrader is a guy who can make things out of nothing with his legs, just like Eric Dungey used to be able to where he's got four guys running at him and all of a sudden he can take off and maybe gain three or four yards versus taking a sack and taking a hit. So 
I would th- I would think Tommy has a very short leash. And I, to Dino's credit, he he has said that both of them are gonna see playing time. Like yeah, he, I, said, he confirmed that again today too. He said Garrett Schrader deserves to see the field, and they're both they'll both have time in the opener. Right, and just I thought there was an interesting stat from Garrett Schrader that I saw when he played at Mississippi State in 2019. I, he didn't, I don't think he was played at all last year. Um, he was one of three freshmen in FBS to have a thousand passing yards and 500 rushing yards. Now I w- I've watched some of his tape from Mississippi State. I think his accuracy could use a isn't the best, but it's not like terrible. And he's all he's a big, he's quick, and I think that's a guy who can succeed in this offense, especially with a crummy offensive line. Do you think that at some point Garrett will take over as just a full-time starter and Tommy will end up on the bench? Or do you think it'll be kind of a thing where we're juggling two quarterbacks all year, unless somebody gets hurt? Uh, I think we'll you know, more likely see Tommy keep the job, but Trader get in in certain packages. I think that's my Short yardage prediction. Like that. Yeah, goal line maybe. I we talk about the what ifs, like what is our, our meaning you and I's perception of Tommy had he not gotten any time split with Eric Dungy when he looked really good, had the double overtime comeback against UNC, people calling on him to start over Dungy. Like, it's unfair to throw out a whole year, but like, had we not seen that, I feel like everyone going into this is like, oh, Schrader's going to take the job. But given that, I mean, if, if we hadn't seen last year, everyone's like, oh, Tommy's the guy. So I, I think it falls like most things somewhere in the middle. I think Tommy keeps the job most of the season behind what I think is cautiously optimistic, uh, but a, <laughs> a better O-line. It's hard, you know, not, not firing shots, but the way things played last year, it's it's hard to see it go more south than it did just i mean stating a fact you had your fullback playing guard so right. and it won't be more like that should help God, I hope. and i yeah i think it may be a good thing that he has that competition because he had it with dungy it brought out the best in him of course mm-hmm. he had more weapons a, a really good old line with like coda martin and cody conway and all them but i think the competition may push tommy to be Better. I don't know if we'll ever see that version of him that was so hyped up in 2019 when he came in with Dungy, but I, I do think it's his job to lose. No, that's fair. Um, I do think we'll see both of them at some point, but if the year goes kind of, I think it's going to go, I think it'll end up being Garrett's job at some point. I just do. That's just me personally. Um, we also had this. And let's a- be honest. I hate to say this, but when was the last time? a Syracuse quarterback didn't miss games with an injury. Oh man. It had to be prior to if not Ra- Hunt, if like, yeah, Nassib, probably Ryan Nassib when he was here. So, you talk about the production, but also what are the odds that Tommy is healthy all year or Garrett is healthy all year no. or, you know, so that's another factor too. And if God forbid that were to both happen and they were both unavailable, there is, this is something that you complained about a lot last year. There's depth in the quarterback room yeah. now. Jacoby and Morgan, Justin Lamson, Dylan Markowitz, and Luke McPhail. So, quarterback was my biggest gripe last year. Right, right. And I agree. After Tommy got hurt, and it was Rex and Jacoby and, and just kind of some other guys. Yep. <laughs> but we'll see. 
Now, Rex something that had been splitting between tight end and, and QB and special teams, Jacoby and Morgan and Markowitz, who are both true freshmen. So it mm-hmm. no sliding against those guys. It was a tough situation. I just I'm glad we have the depth now. So something that might help take the heat off our quarterbacks, the running back room might be the deepest we've had in I don't know how long. So Sean Tucker revelation last year. He was awesome. Almost five yards of carry, six hundred twenty-six yards. Um, he had over. He only had over twenty rushes three times. Had over hundred yards in all those games. He's the he's the first string running back. I don't think that's any question. I think he's going to carry the ball a lot, and I think that's going to take a lot of stress off of the quarterbacks. Now we do get Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard back, and both of those guys can be the big bruising short guard. I'm going to run you the fuck over type running backs, and then also Cooper Lutz who was originally wide receiver, came over, and he actually had an okay year running the ball last year. He's small, but he's quick. He had a long touchdown late against Notre Dame last year. It's a deep running back room, and I think I think that's going to be, like, the X factor, if that's kind of a corny term, if the offense is anywhere close to good, because I think the running back room is so deep, I think it'll be – it's going to be such a help if the quarterbacks struggle. Yeah, the question is, what will the – the usage be because this mm-hmm. is this offense isn't one where you ground and pound like we said it's it's kind of a change of pace so the, the great thing is not only do you have a change of pace to just run the ball but like you mentioned the different types of runners with the power, which is good that we the, have the, the different speed. types of running so, backs you know who this backfield reminds me of for all you Hughes fans of the past I guess what 10 years at this point when we had Jerome Smith and Prince Tyson Gully you had, Tyson you had Gully. the power and the speed those guys were fun, and they just floated back and forth, and they they might have racked up a thousand yards, one of them, but we haven't had that in a while. But this this may be even more sheer bodies that are that capable of playing. So I'm I'm pumped for that. There's also three freshmen on the roster that add even more stuff. I'm not totally sure how much they're going to play, but yeah, Josh Huff is is like yes, he's the big every high school <laughs> record in Pennsylvania. Seems like that guy gets like 500 yards a game. He's the guy who that from stuff I've read that if any of the freshmen see the field, it would probably be him. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I think the how running backs you, are going to. What would you say is your top two in terms of usage out of the running backs? I think Sean Tucker should be one. I don't think there's much argument after seeing him last year. He was probably our best player on not probably. I think he was our best player on offense last year. And then I would probably say. Adams and Howard are pretty close to each other because they're the both kind of the same type of running back. And then I think Lutz would be three just because like as like a give Sean Tucker a blow, let's throw Cooper Lutz in for a few snaps or if somebody gets hurt, I think his snap count goes up. Yeah, Lutz is a kind of the wild card because Dino at the end of last year after he had some success at running back was like, that was on me. I should have moved him from slot receiver to running back a lot earlier. Now it's like, He's been very yeah, complimentary of Lutz. Like, should should he actually be a slot receiver, like a gadget type player, and still get he, touches? I don't know, but we'll we'll see. He's a he's an interesting one. Dino's been very complimentary of him in camp. Like you could also use him in the passing game as like a James White type running back, where yeah. he's basically just another wide receiver on the field. Um, but I. I Maybe he will get more to. I don't know, but I think the running back room is going to be very, very important. I think he might more, actually get more catches this year. Running back Cooper Lutz or all the tight ends combined? Ah, uh, running back Cooper Lutz. <laughs> 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 I 
And that definitely won't be Landon Moritz anymore. He's he's gone. Aaron Hackett's gone. Aaron Hackett is gone. That's Spe- state of uh, tight end. <laughs> Speaking of the tight ends, uh, Luke Benson will be our top tight end. Uh, 176 yards and three touchdowns last year, but we don't use tight ends anyway. I like Luke, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, I think everyone <laughs> likes Benson. Yeah, he's he's a playmaker. He is. Wish we, wish we use him more. Um. The SU wide receiver room has, quote, has no very highly touted recruits, according to Phil Steele. Um, Nikim Johnson is pissed about that. Uh, <laughs> ah, Taj Harris is pissed about that. Sorry. I read the, <laughs> I read the wrong lamp. Taj will be our number one slot receiver. Uh, he caught 135 passes since, 25, since 2018, which is already top 10 in Syracuse history. As I said, he moves to the slot to replace Nikim Johnson. My bad. I got those two confused in my head. And he was close to 14 yards per catch in his career. Now, Anthony Queeley would be wide receiver, too. But he had, a, okay, 37 catches last year, a couple touchdowns, including one against Notre Dame. Other than that, the running, the wide receiver room is really, really, really young. And I think that might cause some issues if some guys don't get it right away, which I think is going to in turn, put more stress on the running backs if the wide receivers are having trouble. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Every year it seems like there's questions at the, the receiver spot, and we're like, all right, Dino's offense will figure it out. Who's going to be the guy to step up? It was Amba, then it was Steve Ishmael, and then, and then uh, you know, Taj, uh, Tristan Jackson, obviously, in between there. And last year seemed like the first year where it, we didn't really have that. Like, we did at the top with Taj. Nakeem was involved a little bit. Um, but Sherrod I mean, Johnson might get a little like, bit involved. Like, yeah, he has, Shira, but he Corey only has 12 Jackson. catches. He's only got 10 catches, though. Damon Alford um, from Quebec. People like him. Uh, it's just there's a lot of question marks in the wide receiver room. And that doesn't help when there's question marks with the quarterbacks. So that's going to yeah. be very interesting to watch all year. And uh, Syracuse on 247 reporting, too, back in April, for those who missed it. Uh, Ed Hendricks, who was at one time the four-star receiver, battled through injuries, and uh, is now no longer a student at SU. So um, once ranked the number three prospect in the whole D.C. area, um, this this from Noon's Magician, uh, lower body problems sidelined him during his first two seasons at SU, um, six foot three, 220. Um, unfortunately collided with uh, Cisco, which caused uh, that ACL tear. So mm-hmm. you you look for candidates at the receiver spot, and who knows whether it was personal reasons, injury-related, whatever the case. Would have been great to have Hendricks on this, this roster this year, given that we're hurting for uh, someone to step up. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a, and when I say um, there's questions in the receiver room, I'm not saying like the younger guys or some guys who haven't played stink. I'm just saying they're unproven, and I think it's a question. Like, I don't want to be seen as like I'm dunking on the wide receivers. I'm just saying there's a lot of things that have to be done to, for guys to prove themselves, um, which I think makes the receivers an interesting group. But maybe the most interesting of the offense, if you want me to be a little more positive, wait till we get to the defense, because I think our defense is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be the best part of the team. Phenomenal. Whoa. I think, praise. I think the defense is going to be really good again, but we'll get there in a minute. Um, offensive line, disaster last year. Lost their starting right guard, both backups. Famously, Chris Elmore had to start nine games at left guard. 
uh, played the whole season with his eight, eight healthy linemen, allowed 38 sacks, uh, only averaged 92 rushing yards per game, uh, 3.2 yards per carry. We do get all five starters back, so they have experience, and Chris Blake can actually play, which is awesome. Now, I think Dakota Davis is a little bit banged up, but he should be okay to go. So you're looking at a line of Matt Bergeron, Dakota Davis, Carlos Federello at center, Chris Blaise, Aaron, and Aaron Service. Service could also go back and play center. depends on what Dino wants to do with him. So I think the line is going to be a little bit better. But there's an interesting stat I want to talk I found. Uh, since Dino took over, Syracuse has allowed 195 sacks, which is an average of 39 per year. Keith, can you guess which two teams allowed – only allowed more than 39 sacks last year. Last year. It is not uh, good company. <laughs> not good. Oh, uh, Vanderbilt? South Alabama Kansas? and Kansas. Oh, okay. One for two. <laughs> um, but I think having everybody healthy, Chris Blake is in the lineup, and he should have been last year, but that's a whole other NCAA garbage argument. He's one of those not not to get into the argument, but like wherever you fall on it, just straight up terrible luck. Like they were giving out uh, flyers to to play right away, left and right last year due to COVID, as they should have. And Blyche was moving closer to home and and family during the pandemic. Didn't get it, and now everyone can transfer at one time. Like he he very well might be the most unlucky transfer candidate in like the whole country last year. Yeah, it's insane. But with Mike Schmidt coming in, he's a good coach. I do think the offensive – I don't think the offensive line will be as bad as last year. I'm not saying they're going to be, like, a top 15 line, but I think it's a, they'll take a step in the right direction. I think they're going to be better. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I'm going to with those guys, and hopefully some injuries healed up. And I, I do wonder about the depth still. Better depth than last year, of course, but um, we'll see how Bleich fits in and, and how this line does as a unit. Uh, again, cautiously optimistic is like the phrase I'll yes. use. Yes, <laughs> I am cautiously optimistic think, about the line. I think they'll be better, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is a unit that still is a point of concern mid as we look back like midway through the season. Fair enough. All right, let's jump to my defense. So last year, 10, uh, 10, excuse me, this year, 10 starters are back. Uh, they had a plus nine turnover ratio last year. Those last couple games last year, I had six freshmen starting on defense. And then we switched to the three, three, five last year, which went okay. All things considered last season with the no spring ball and the, pandemic. The classic, and like, like the classic, Oh, the, the numbers aren't as bad as like, it actually is like it. They're actually it's not, better no. than the numbers suggest. And that's a hundred percent. Right. Like, a lot of times they were put in really tough spots and got worn down. But overall, I was pretty encouraged with what Tony White did last season. The defense kept us in games. We also think about it. We couldn't get off the field. We couldn't get. Uh, we couldn't stay on the field offensively. So the defense was out there constantly. They're gonna get with tired. that no huddle offense too. <laughs> Three plays is it's quick. Not to mention we're punting and where. Where's the defense? Where's the punt going to? Where or if is it off turnovers? Where's the ball too? Yeah. when the defense has to come out there. So, so the, some of the stats are misleading. I think the defense had a good year last year, um, starting with the line. Like, this is one. The run defense could have been a little bit better. They allowed 4.6 yards per carry. But 
top 30 in the country in tackles for loss. They held Clemson to just 147 rushing yards in that game in, in Death Valley. And his hit, they've hit the quarterback 171 times in the last three years. 26 sacks last year for that unit, and all three of them are back. Josh Black, McKinley Williams, and Kingsley Jonathan. It's encouraging. It is very all encouraging. Those, all three of those guys, too, are, are just straight-up freak athletes. Yes. Josh Black, I, he's like he's like the size of a refrigerator and can jump out of a pool. Like, he did the flip where he tagged the rock. He can, like, he's yeah. just ridiculous. So outside of Buddy and Gerard, I think he's been cashing in the most on NIL, unless I'm forgetting someone. But it seems like he's got a lot of NIL stuff going on, too. He's just a very likable guy. Yeah, he seems like a very personable, likable guy. So he see, he's like he's a guy who I think should. Yeah. Um, another, we get four starters back with our linebackers, too. McKinley Williams is the main guy. Third, third team all ACC last year. Led the ACC in interceptions. He had four, was number one tackler for SU with 68. Uh, Jeff Cantonarchy will play the middle. He had 63 tackers, tackles last year. And then Jacquard Carter comes in. I'm just counting. I could put him in the secondary, but I'm just going to say he's with the, put him with the linebackers, moves to the ro- rover position. Uh, 10 starts last year was the number two tackler for SU at 67 and two INTs. Now, again, this unit's got everybody back. Like, I, I don't – I think – Well, Lee Koba did, uh, did leave. He did leave. Um, he did leave. Starter's back. He just got offered say. by South Carolina. Did he really? Quick, yeah, quick point. On that, when we talk about recruiting to the the numbers that SU has faced, one of the things that they struggle with too is once we get our top recruits, is like getting production out of them. So you think of three three of the four stars we've gotten recently, not three out of the four stars, three out of the four star prospects we've got <laughs> recently. We talk about Ed Hendricks, who unfortunately had the injuries, left the team. We have Lee Koba, who left the school, and then we have uh, Kadir Copeland, who could have used last year six foot seven four star O lineman that um, never really played for the program and entered the transfer portal after this season. Even in the year that we had all those lineman issues, didn't didn't see the field. So that's that's a tough. Is like when you're in that fifty range, we're recruiting eleventh in the ACC, and then three of your top guys don't give you more than a year max of of results um, for various reasons. That's that, that could be tough to pick up steam when that is the case. No, that's all fair. Um, that's all fair. Now, if, if there's a unit for me on the defense that's maybe a little bit of a question, it's the secondary. Not even like a question. I just think it might be, they might take a little bit of a step back. Cisco, Melanfonu, and Trail all gone. They went to the NFL, which awesome. Good for them. Yep. Cisco, um, by Cisco's the way, pushing for a spark, starting, starting job. Uh, yeah, yeah, with Urban, and then Trill just picked off uh, Jacoby Brissett today. I, I heard uh, did in he? practice. So, yep. Cisco, um, I was I was watching the Saints and the Jags in that preseason game, and on one of um, Jameis's, I think it was Jameis's touchdowns. This one guy for Jacksonville comes flying off the edge, almost hits him as he gets rid of the ball. I'm like, who the hell was that? Should we? Oh my god, it was Cisco. So. <laughs> Um, making the most of his opportunity. Um, but Garrett Williams, 10 pass breakups last year, two interceptions. He had the pick six on Trevor Lawrence against Clemson. Uh, Cornelius Nunn, Eric Cooley, Amon Greenwood ran out the unit. And also the true freshman Darius Chestnut, the big newcomer. So I think the secondary, it might be a little bit down. 
because it's, it's young and there are some question marks, but I think they'll be good. I think they'll be solid again. Yeah, anytime you lose three guys in the NFL, it's going to be a down, you know, down from that. But, yeah, it's, it's a good unit overall, and I think Garrett Williams could eventually be a first or second round pick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's a he's very an all, good player. He's an all-ACC guy for sure. Definitely. At minimum, an all-ACC guy, if not more. I hope he, I hope he doesn't end up being like the – the Chandler Jones, we're just like an incredible. I hope he's incredible, but just like a crazy good talent on a team that doesn't win many games. Hopefully, he doesn't <laughs> end up being that guy. Um, I hope not either. Uh, and then special teams, gonna be good again. Uh, lost Nolan Cooney, third team All ACC. Andre Schmidt's still here. I'm not concerned about the special teams. Yep, same here. Uh, James Williams too at at punter. Um, was like. Highly rated as a punter. I don't know how any of that works, but <laughs> excited, excited to see what he can do as well. All right. So, Keith, anything you want else you want to say? Anything about offense? Anything about the defense? Anything you want to bring up before we jump into the schedule? No, I think I'll probably just interrupt you to go on a tangent a few times during the schedule <laughs> instead. Per usual. Yeah, okay, that's, that sounds about right. Um, so we're going to jump through the schedule. We're going to go game by game. Not going to be crazy in-depth preview into every team because that would be insane. Um, we're also going to preview, like, during the season, like, when we get closer to games so we actually know what's happening. But just a few tidbits. We'll give our picks, and we'll move on to the next team. So win, oh. win, 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 win. <laughs> <laughs> win, Fiesta Bolt, win. <laughs> um, so, Keith, the over-under win total is three. I'm not going to ask you right now if we're going to hit it because we're going to go through the schedule. But just are we picking that out each there. game as we go, or are we picking at the end? We're going to pick each game. Um, Got it. Okay. Once I once I read through Ohio, I'm going to get up and grab a pen because I need to keep track because I'm going to write it down so I know what records we're going through as as we go. Um, yeah. Okay. So game one on September fourth, seven o'clock, CBS Sports at Ohio. Two SU was two and zero against Ohio all time the last meeting was in october of 1921 a 38 nothing syracuse win at home the only other meeting was a 73 nothing syracuse win in 1916 which is what i expect this time <laughs> yeah um the other so, world war going on at that time <laughs> the great war <laughs> <laughs> um so ohio was 2-1-1 last year um if you remember the mac was the first conference to initially cancel football and then they brought it back uh, they also had, they were supposed to play um, six games, but three of them were canceled. Curtis Rourke has started all three games at quarterback with split time with Armani Rogers, so that's kind of a dynamic where Rourke is the guy with the arm. Rogers does stuff with his legs. He was the number two rusher on the team. Uh, the leading receiver only had 142 yards, but again, they only played three games. And then, but their running back Devontae Tuggle was first team on Mac with almost seven and a half yards of carry. Now, Ohio also did – their coach retired at some point during the summer. Um, so that could be either a benefit for us because Ohio is going to be scrambling or it could hurt because we don't know what system they're going in. There's no film with the new coach, blah, 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 blah. I think this game is a dogfight. I think it's close, and I think fans are probably going to be annoyed afterwards. I think we win the game, though. I'm not so down that I think we're going to lose to Ohio. Keith, talk. I'm going to get up this for a second. Is... pen. Yeah, this is one that I think I'm more optimistic than, than you on. I think we handle business against Ohio. Good Max team, but we're 
we're an ACC team. We should handle business, and I think we start the season off with the win. Otherwise, man, we, we'll talk about it, but this first stretch, if we lose a few games that we should win or fans think we should win, then it will really be a fight after that. But I think we do get on to a good footing here with the win against Ohio. All right, so I'm with you there. I agree. So we'll move on to Rutgers. Now, this will be the first game in the Dome with fans since that strip and score by Twill Williams in overtime against Wake Forest, which is crazy to think about. Uh, SU is 29-12-1 against Rutgers all-time. Last meeting was when we were both members of the Big East in 2012, a 23-15 Rutgers win in New Jersey. Now, everybody makes the Rutgers jokes. Oh, at least we're not Rutgers. Rutgers is getting better. I actually weirdly watched a lot of Rutgers football last year, and yes, they were three and six, but it looked competent. It didn't look like kind of the like haha meme. It's Rutgers football. Uh, Greg Schiano again, he's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. He's recruiting New Jersey. Um, Noah Vedral is the quarterback. Uh, Twelve hundred yards last year, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, his one hundred ninety nine yard passing yards per game though for Rutgers is their best in five years. Isaiah Pacheco is a very good running back. I like him a lot. Uh, the wide receiving core is pretty deep. Bo Melton's wide receiver one there. They had the entire offensive line back. But the defense did allow 434 yards a game last year. This game, again, it's them. this is going to be a gross slug fight. I think it's going to be close the entire way. I do. I could see us dropping this one. But I think we pull this out. I think Rutgers is very similar to us skill-wise. I think we get this one. So two and out to start wow. for me. I'm very surprised at that. Yeah, I was going back and forth. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. This one's tough for me, too. If this game was later in the year, I would be like, that's probably a win for us. But looking ahead, surprise, surprise, I'm going to pick us to beat Albany. So I'm like, <laughs> wow, does that 3-0 and for this team? Does that sound right? But... I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say we get to three and zero, and I'll let you know from there. But I do <laughs> think we beat Rutgers, and then I also think we beat Albany afterwards. Uh, one of my best friends, his dad played football at Rutgers in the '80s, um, so I'm gonna watch it with them. That'll be a fun time. He actually played in the dome. I think we beat him though. I, I remember he said the one when they played and they beat us. The next week we beat number one Nebraska. <laughs> Oh, so it would have been, what, 84? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Um, jumping ahead, Albany. They're, I didn't look much into Albany. They were 1-3 last spring. Uh, they were a decent team, even though they were 1-3. They beat UNH. They had a four-point loss, an overtime loss, and then a 21-7 loss. And also had two games that got canceled. Um, made the playoffs in 2019, won a game, and then got beat by Montana. It's an FCS school. If we don't win this game, there are problems that just it's no. We, we're going to be. I'm all not going to bring the Villanova flashbacks to uh, to our fans. I'm not going to do it. Oh we won that game. I know, but that that video popped up. Got on. ejected, and then <laughs> that video popped up on my timeline the other day. I'm like, why? Why is this here? <laughs> and but yeah, I so we we both have them going three and zero. We we said this was a real negative. Yeah, just, and just wait for I me. Know. Just hey, wait for me. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. So what do you got for Liberty? On my birthday. 
All right. So Keith's not going to be happy birthday for you. Um, <laughs> Liberty last year was 10 and one. Their one loss was a one point loss to NC State. They beat us and they beat Virginia Tech. Uh, they have everybody back. Everybody back. Malik Willis, who is so fun to watch, is back at quarterback. 2,200 yards passing with 20 touchdowns. Almost 1,000 yards rushing. He was six yards short, which was number one in FBS for quarterbacks. 14 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, that running back, Cedric Lewis, who went for 170 against us, is back. Plus their number one running back, who was out that game for co- doing, during COVID. Gosh, Mac. It, who's who's a Central New York native, if I remember correctly, right? Was upset so. that Syracuse did not upset, but um, saying how Syracuse didn't recruit him as much as he wanted, and then he was gonna remember that. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll so see. Have, uh, the offense was number 15 in all of FBS with 38.1 points per game. The defense was 22nd in FBS, so they have everybody back except linebacker Anthony Butler. They also bring in three transfers with that entire team back. I know people don't like Liberty. I think Liberty's going to be good. I think they're just going to be better than us, and I don't think we beat Liberty. I think they beat us again. Yeah, I'm I'm with you here. I think last year, for a lot of us, and I, I fell victim to this, too. I was like, Syracuse should never lose to Liberty. Nope. And I was there with up, you. Period, end of story. And then I was like, mm, they proved this wrong by the end of the year because it was such an early game for us and, and went so poorly. And then you saw what they did against the rest of their schedule so sadly i think we we lose this one as well i'm with you job down to three and one let me ask you this though mm-hmm. way too early with no context or anything just rapid fire if you had to put a score on this game right now what do you say like what's what's kind of the margin you have in mind i think it's high um because i like, know it sounds like you were very not very high on liberty but very pessimistic about this particular matchup. I just Liberty, I think I feel like just scores so many points. And like I was very complimentary about our defense. But again, is our offense gonna be able to stay on the field to give them a break kind of thing? Like yeah. like a 38-35 point game, something like that. Way ahead in advance. Like they they beat us by Oh no no, no 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 they score thirty eight or thirty five. Oh, oh no. I gotcha. I, I think it's 10, 14 I point think- loss. Yeah, I was going to say, like, 41, 24, 27, yeah, that, somewhere No, in there, they're not going to beat us by 35. I not a complete blowout, but just one where it's we never really – it never really feels like we're going to win it. Right. I agree with that. Uh, next up would be at Florida State at the Doak. Uh, didn't play them last year, even though they were in our division. Uh, last game was a 35-17 Florida State win in Tallahassee. Florida State is in a rebuild. They were three and six last year. They did beat North Carolina at home, and they brought in Mackenzie Milton, the quarterback from UCF, who had the, the just catastrophic leg injury. Former two-time AAC Player of the Year. They have all five of their starting offensive linemen back. Um, their leading rusher is uh, Jay Sean Corbin. Gates about 500 yards per carry of uh, 505 yards per carry. Um, they didn't have great yardage totals last year, but they had good yards per attempt. They have one starter back on their D line. They did allow a lot of points, but they do have um, they do have seven starters back on defense. Um, the 456 yards per game and 36 points per game are the most in Florida State history that they ever gave up. This is a game where I think we might keep it close, 
I just think Florida State's more talented than we are. I, I just, I do. Um, I think this will be like another 10 point, like we keep it close, but they pull away at the end kind of game. Um, so Iowa's yeah, dropping. I'm on the same page here. Yeah, I, I was going to say pretty much the same thing. It's like we're, we'll be competitive. I just think the, the in state talent kind of wins out for them. And Milton will be very interesting to see because it's. I hope he does it's well. It's been really how do. long since he's played? Oh man, uh, that was a that was at a different school too. So that was what three years, maybe two, two three years at least. I think it was two. I just I remember the visual of when we played FSU with uh, Francois was back at QB and just how oh, yeah. sad he was at their O line for just not blocking anybody. <laughs> I don't, he was I don't getting hit be, every play. <laughs> I don't think it'll be one of those situations. I do think FSU uh, takes this one. Agreed. Uh, jumping back to a home game against Wake Forest. SU 6-4 all-time against the Deeks. Uh, last meeting was a 38-14 win for Wake last season. Uh, the Deeks were 4-5 in 2020. Sam Hartman's 75 years old and he's still playing quarterback. Uh, decent year last year, 2,200 yards, 13 touchdowns, 5 picks. Um, they bring back their leading rusher and add a Michigan transfer, Christian Turner, who's, quote, a home run hitter at running back. Jakari Roberts, the second team only CC but receiver returns. Um, the ace, the O line, Phil Seal said, was the most experienced O line they've had since 2017. They returned nine starters on defense. Boogie Basham, who's in the NFL now, will not be back, but could be with their best defense in five or six years. This is another game where I think it's going to be close, but I think Wake beats us. It's not a game where I think we're definitely going to lose. I just think Wake's a little bit better. Yeah, I think the experience from Wake will kind of win out for this one. With Hartman and a bunch of their guys back. I know Basham's on the Bills now, but yeah, they just, they have a really experienced team. And where where do you think uh, Doran, his future is? Like, do you think he'll stick around there for a long time? I wonder if he'll he'll kind of make a jump after this season if they have a good one because everyone's predicting them to have a pretty good season. Depends on how good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just think Wake's uh, experience kind of topples ours in this matchup. Agreed. So that drops SU to three and three for both of us after starting three and zero. Now this that's Wake's one of the like the first games of the losses that I'm like, you know, this could go either way, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Wake, but uh, next would be Clemson on a Friday night in October. Uh, Let me know if that sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last year's matchup was a 47-21 game in Death Valley, which is closer than the final score indicates. Clemson, uh, preseason number three, 10-2 last year, ACC champs for the sixth year in a row, lost in the semifinals of the playoff to Ohio State. No Trevor Lawrence. Gigi Uyangalele is assuming the starting role. In his two starts, he was really good. 914 yards, five touchdowns, didn't throw a pick. 439 yards against Notre Dame were the most ever for an opposing quarterback against Notre Dame. They lose Travis Etienne. They lose Chaz Malusi. They're starting a true freshman at running back. Justin Ross is back at receiver. Remember, he had that weird injury last year. Um, Amari Rogers and Cornell Power are both gone. They have a very young offensive line. And they only have five total starters on offense, but the Clemson defense is the Clemson defense. Like that's going to be 
uh, unbelievable again. I actually don't think Clemson's going to make the playoff. That's my hot take for the year. I think they're going to beat us, though. <laughs> I just do. Yeah, it's a loss. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't. I I, We've somehow played uh, pretty well against them in the Dino era. I know that we won the we lost the one like fifty nine nothing, which probably swings the, like the average margin. Yeah. And in, in his. It's the outlier. You know, I, but. Every other game we we play on top, you want to score, it doesn't indicate as much. I'm still upset about that illegal man downfield penalty. Um, that never should have been a thing. Also, one fourth down stop, and we're playing in the ACC championship game against Pitt. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And then we sadly missed out on the Orange Bowl because it happened to be a, a playoff. Anyway, so I digress. Dumb. But, yeah, I, <laughs> I think this one will be, uh, be an L. Agreed. Um Let's jump to Virginia Tech. First time going to Lane Stadium in, I don't know if it's ever, but it's been a while because Virginia Tech was in the Big East back in the day. Um, this is, Lane Stadium is on my bucket list of places to go for college football. Um, I will not be going this year, but uh, SU is actually above 500 against Virginia Tech, 10 and 8. The last meeting was the game in 2016, a 31-17 win for Syracuse, which was the first marquee win of the Babers era. Uh, they were 5 and 6 last year. They ended their, like, 30-year bowl streak. How nice does that sound? Um, Braxton Burmeister is, becomes the full-time quarterback. Four starts last year, 687 yards, only two touchdowns. Uh, he's another guy who can run to 182 running yards. They got to replace Khalil Herbert in the backfield. They only have five offensive linemen who have starting experience. Um, uh, the linebackers are a question, but they have guys back on defense even though they allowed almost 400 yards a game. Um, this is another one of those games where I think it's a toss-up. I think we can win this game. I just think Virginia Tech's more talented than we are. I just think they have better players. I think they're going to beat us again. Yeah. Yeah, there's... I'm more optimistic kind of talking it through than, like, seeing, seeing it on paper. Yeah. Like, just the schedule in general. But I'm with you. I, I don't think we we split quite yet. We another one where we're in agreement. I think this one's a a close loss where we play yes. stuff and West Virginia, Virginia Tech, excuse me, wins out. Speaking of that, West Virginia should be in the ACC with all this real. I think it's. But, uh, I think it's going to happen. It should I, happen. I, I think so too. Um. Next is BC. We'll talk about the realignment. I, I made a little line for the alliance at the end. Um. BC, the day before Halloween, uh, SU's 31-22 against the Eagles. Last year's game was kind of ugly and gross. A 16-13 win in the Dome. That was Jacoby Morgan's first start. Um, BC was 6-5 last year. They were the first team to say, we're not playing in a bowl game. Uh, Phil Dracovic returns. He's gotten some NFL talk, which I think is interesting. Um, 17 touchdowns last year, 2,500 yards. They bring back their number one, three, and four receivers. The offensive line is back. And then the biggest concern in their defense is their linebackers where they lost their top two guys. Now, again, BC is solid. They're not great. This is a game I think Syracuse can win. I don't think we're going to, though, because I think BC is just a little bit better. I am actually going to agree with you again. It pains me to pick Boston College over Syracuse, yeah. but I, I do think that they'll, they'll take this one. I just, again, the experience with Jerkovic and, you know, the way that they've been trending since 
Adazio moved on to Colorado State, and they've kind of changed their identity a, a little bit. I, I do like Boston College in this one, sadly. And again, this is another one of those games. I think we can. I think this is a winnable game. I would not be surprised if Syracuse wins. I'm just. I just think BC is just a little bit better. Uh, Tripping on Louisville played at Louisville last year. SU seven and twelve all time against the Cards. Last year was a just disaster. Thirty to nothing. Louisville win. Cards are four and seven last year. They do bring back Malik Cunningham, who's really fun to watch with his legs and with his arm. Twenty six hundred yards, twenty touchdowns. 12 picks and three fumbles, though. So he's very turnover prone, and I've been very high on the defense. So I think that's something they're going to take advantage of. Uh, Tutu Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick are gone. So their wide receiver room, again, is kind of like ours, very inexperienced. They lose five of their top seven tacklers on defense. They have three defensive backs that have FBS experience. Their defensive line is okay. But I, overall, I'm not impressed with Louisville at all reading about them. This is a game I think Syracuse wins. And I think that stops the six-game losing streak that we have them on. <laughs> This is incredible. I also had a serious point on this one. This, this was not. How... We did not discuss this at all before. Not the, once. We did, uh, not not once. once. We didn't talk yeah. about who we were picking. But go on. Go ahead, Keith. <laughs> yeah, like you said, I just this is one of those like transition years, and I think not that Louisville reached the heights that Syracuse did when the the Camping World Bowl, but it, it's like. You lose a, a few of your key pieces, and everyone expects you to kind of keep going off your momentum. But it's they underestimate how big those losses are. I think that's the case here with like Atwell, Fitzpatrick, and a lot of their defense. So I think we can capitalize on that. And and I think, like you said, I'm I'm not really sold on Louisville this year, and I think we we still won. Agreed. I don't even know if we could call it stealing one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Next jump into NC State. This is on the road in Raleigh. Uh, two and twelve against the Pack all time. Uh, last meeting last year was the infamous spike game, a 36-29 NC State win, where Rex Culpepper spiked the ball on fourth down. Um, I really like NC State. I think they're going to be the third team in the ACC behind Clemson and Carolina. Um, eight and four last year. Devin Leary becomes the full-time starting quarterback. He broke his leg last year. He's the all-time leading passer in New Jersey, which is really impressive because New Jersey pumps out a lot of talent. Hi, Tommy DeVito. Um, <laughs> eight touchdowns, two picks, 890 yards before he broke his leg. They got their all three running backs are back, led by Bam Knight. Emeka Mezzi is back, along with the rest of the wide receivers. Ten starters are back on defense. Peyton Willis, Wilson led the ACC in tackles last year. Phil Steele has them ranked the number 11 linebacker core in the country. I think NC State's going to be really good. I don't think this one's close. I think NC State kills us. Wow. So, I have the same result as you. Just a little more optimistic. I think we can kind of hang in neck and neck game until the the very end, and they they kind of pull away in the fourth, maybe a 10-point, 14-point win going with NC State. No, I just think I, I just think they're I think they're really talented. I, I really like NC State this year based on stuff I've read. Um, and then going so that moves yeah. both of our our records to uh, four and seven going into the last game against Pitt. Um, Pitt's Pitt, like every other year. <laughs> just one thing on NC State. I want to ask you sure. the same question. I know I I said Dave Doran before I meant Dave Clawson, but where do you see Doran in terms of his future? Does he just kind of ride it out at NC State a while? Given that, again, um, similar to Wake Forest, like a lot of people have that well, th- in for a good year. 
I think NC State's going to be better than Wake. Uh, he, I could see, maybe, it, it depends on what jobs come open and how much money he's being offered. Because um, you're, you're in a state that has a lot of talent. You're in a region that has a lot of talent. Um, so and I think NC State's a pretty good job. Um, I don't know. Are they a, Is NC State a basketball first school? Like, are they kind of similar to us? I don't really know. Cause... Uh, I think it's kind of both ways i would say they default to basketball so there might be not as much pressure for the football team to be really really good every year um i don't know it just depends on what comes open but i could see him being a prime candidate for some other jobs yeah yeah i guess we'll see another it's just interesting with some of these acc teams that have been either upper or kind of middle of the pack and and just have had a a coach that has stayed there a while even you even look at cutcliffe at duke like I feel like he'll be there forever, even if they yeah. win two games a year for the next <laughs> five no, he, years. He, he got Duke from being, like, the worst team ever in college football to being, like, they played in an ACC championship game. They've won bowl games. Like, he's yeah. he's got a job there until, Draft like, picks. he yeah. – Yeah, Daniel Jones, until he wants to leave. Like, Yep. He also enjoys stealing all our QB recruits. but <laughs> Yeah. All right, and last but not least is Pitt uh, going in. We have, again, we have them both at four and seven. Um, 31, 41, and three all time against the Panthers. Last year's game was a 21 10 win in, for Pitt in Pennsylvania. The Panthers were six and five last year. Kenny Pickett returns as quarterback 2,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, nine picks. All four backs return, um, but none of them had more than 80 yards in a game until the last game of the year. They lose two all ACC players on the offensive line Jimmy Morrison, Morrissey and Bryce Hargrove. This is, again, a game I think we can win. I just think Pitt's a little bit better than us. Um, so I think we drop this one, and our record is 4-8 and eight at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy that this works out the way. I also had a, a close loss on this one. Also have us at 4-8. and eight. I think this game, I think Rutgers, Louisville, BC are really – you get their awake in there are really the make or break games this year. I know that's like half the schedule. <laughs> so the, like, the games, the games I highlighted that I picked us to lose were wake, Virginia tech, Boston college and Pitt. I really think we can win those games. Like you turn two and all of a sudden we're going to a bowl game. Um, what if like you, you drop, said, what if you drop Rutgers and what if you drop Louisville too is the right. question. So, right. So like yeah. if you add, you add Ohio Rutgers, um, Florida State maybe is a game we could possibly I don't know maybe that one a little bit extent but like there are games that if everything goes totally wrong we're one and eleven <laughs> like worst case nine one one emergency scenario mm. and there's like a path to like seven maybe wins but and that averages out to four which we both had so right <laughs> that's um, that's crazy our brains were operating like that. And it was, we also had some discussions offline the past couple of weeks about how I was like slightly more optimistic. I gave them usually a game or two more than you did. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've really come off that too much. Seems like you've come up a little bit. I've come off the ledge a little bit. Like I thought, like there was a, a little, like over the summer thinking about doing my initial research, doing some reading. I thought the season might be a little bit catastrophic, but I, I think this to be, I think we're going to be a little bit better than initially what I thought. Um, 
I'm not guaranteeing a bowl game. Like clearly, I just picked it to go four and eight. But and there could be something. What, what's your uh, now? What's your Dino prediction? Four and eight. You think he's? I think he's. I think if we go four and eight, I think we're looking at resumes uh, in January. So. So that's all right. I'm glad you said that because that's the first time we we disagreed. I think four and eight really? keeps him simply because of the buyout, and he's he's on the the real hot seat after that. If it's just because of the bio, I'm gonna have a really hard time with that after football season. Um, but that's interesting. I think that you a lot of people will. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, Keith, is there anything else, uh, Syracuse football wise, that we didn't talk about? You want to say one more thing on before we move on? No, I think we hit most of it. Honestly, um, we'll see how the new coaches do. That'll be interesting, especially O line with Schmidt and and whether Tony White can can keep this going. Um, yeah, I, and what his prospects are. It almost helped us last year that the numbers were worse than the play because otherwise I think Tony White was maybe looking at being a candidate for some other jobs, either as a DC or even a head coach because he, he did a great job last year. So we'll see. All right. Um, give me your final four for, for, for the college World playoff. One through four. Ooh, I'll go Bama. Number one. So, so am I doing this in order? Yeah, one, two, three, four. Like, who's playing in the semifinals? And then just your championship and who wins. Okay. So, yeah, I'll go Bama at one. Okay. Then at four, I'll go... Hmm. Ooh, I'll go Ohio State. At two? No, at four. Oh, right at now, four. Okay, 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 okay. Yep. I'll go Georgia at two. Okay. And then I'll go Clemson at the three. I think Oklahoma is kind of the, the odd man out here. Okay. Interesting. This is something we actually disagree on. So we have three of the same four teams with a little bit of a different order. Um, I have Georgia, number one. I think Georgia beats Clemson. I think they go undefeated and win the SEC. I like Georgia. Um, I have Oklahoma at two. I like Rattler. I think they're going to score a ton of points. Um, So I I put them ahead. And then I have Alabama at three. I think they're going to have one loss. It'll be in the SEC championship game. Um, and then I have Ohio State at four. I think Ohio State's going to be Ohio State. Gotcha. With like, you? with like Clemson, A and M, and I'll just say Oregon contending. I would like to say Cincinnati, but I'm just realistic. Where do you fall on the UNC train? I think they're I think it's good. A too optimistic. I do. Think, I don't like, think they're a playoff team. Yeah. I think they're an Orange Bowl type team. Yeah, I agree. I think they're better I mean, than Miami. I think they're better than Miami. Sure, Clearly. But yeah, we'll see. And then the last thing, uh, it was rumored for weeks, but the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 uh, officially announced the Alliance. Um, alliance of American Football, some might say. <laughs> put it on a shirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they say it's like to kind of stabilize. It's basically just to make sure the SEC doesn't yeah. Hey, ACC. Some of Monopoly. Things. Yeah. Hey, ACC, yeah. you suck. Um, 
which it, it's scheduling, but it's also voting. They're going to do like a looking on the college football playoff. They're going to talk about that. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see like how the scheduling works out. I don't know when it is because there's a lot of contracts that are already like way in the future. Um, I, th- I forget who it was. I think Mike McAllister asked, where would you like to see Syracuse play like against Pac-10 and Big 12? T- oh, Jesus Christ. Pac-12 and Big 10 teams. Um, and the one that came to my mind was I want to see him play UCLA in both sports. Um, we've both been to Pauly in the Rose Bowl, but not for games. And the Rose yeah. Bowl is probably, if not number one, top three places I want to see a game. So oh, yeah. that would be awesome. I, I'd go UCLA easy. For yeah. sure, easily in the, the Pac-12. Who do you got for Big 10? Um, I've been to a game at the Big House. That was awesome. I'd love to see Syracuse play there. Penn State, I feel, is an unreal atmosphere on a Saturday. I'd love to go there. Target football only? Yeah. I'm, football, well, okay. Yeah. Well, football, I would like to see Michigan and Penn State. Basketball, um, Michigan State playing there would be really cool. Um, I'd like to play at Chrysler at Michigan. That would be a fun game. That arena's jumping. Uh, going back to the Kohl Center at Wisconsin, that would be cool for basketball. Going yeah. to Camp Randall for basketball, for football would be great. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot. The Big Ten's going to Iowa, I think, would be really cool and seeing, like, the Kinnick wave. Um, so everywhere except Northwestern is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. No, no, honestly, yeah. <laughs> um, and I then think, just, I think Indiana to, would be cool for, I know, oh, for basketball. playing basketball. Yeah, but like even for football, like or, or like in Nebraska, Purdue I'm for basketball would be great. Oh, I forgot Nebraska for football would be really cool. I, I'm trying to find like the fine line where it's a really great atmosphere, but also like a winnable game. Like I would say Ohio State, but like we we would get smashed. I'd be, so I'd that's be more why, interested. Like, Nebraska would be cool. I'd be more interested in playing more of the teams in the Big Ten than the Pac-12. Like if we're talking about yeah. Pac-12, UCLA in football and basketball. USC in football, Washington, Washington. in basketball, <laughs> Washington in basketball. Um, the comments Oregon, would be, oh my god, don't get me started. Oregon in football. Other than that, there's not really much in the Pac-12 that like attracts my attention. Like Oregon for basketball would be cool just because they're good, but I don't yeah. know. I'd much rather do a tour of the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Feels more northernish. All right, but yeah, that's the alliance. So, Keith, is that it? I don't know if there's anything else I want to... Oh, we have one more. Uh, Fair World Tour. Anything else in the world of sports you want to talk about, bring up, make a point on? I'll let you go first. All right, so I think I have two right now off the top of my head. Um, One, Henrik Lundqvist retired, and he's, like, the one of the last guys who, from really any of my sports teams, but especially the Rangers, who I watched, like, growing up, becoming a sports fan playing and him gone um it brought up emotions of where wow i can't believe how good the rangers were basically just because of him him dragging the rangers to a cup final him dragging the rangers to a game seven in the conference final in 2015 um for as good as he was he's eternally underappreciated by ranger fans by the nhl fans at large um i saw comments of like He's a Hall of Famer in my book. I'm like, he's a top five goalie of all time. Of course he's a Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, it, it was sad. Um, and it also especially sucks that he wasn't able to go out on his own terms. He has the heart issue, um, which made me sad. But, uh, yeah, 
That sucks. Honor and a pleasure to watch him play for as long as we got to see him play in New York, and I will miss it. Got you. The the one I got is just a general observation. I, I I'll throw this in as a compliment. How good the NBA is at getting people's attention for everything other than basketball. Like ninety percent of the time you hear about the NBA is like it's the Instagram comments, it's the Olympic drama, it's it's people's comments on a podcast and, and it's just very entertaining. Um some might say more so than the basketball. I'll I'll leave that up to you, but they're just they you know I'm not a big NBA guy. <laughs> yeah, they, they find a way to be entertaining all the time. So uh, shout out to the NBA for uh, doing your thing. And um, also, side note, Malice in the Palace documentary on Netflix. Great. So good. I haven't good. seen it yet, but I've heard it's it's really good. So I'll Very, very good. Definitely worth the watch. Um, the only other thing I would say is um, the Yankees rolling. Love to see it. And then I want to read, I want to read the tweet I sent you today. So from Patriots training camp, Mac Jones had himself you know a day. You know a fake account, right? Was it? Yes, it was That's 100% a, a fake account. Damn it. Oh, I'm so disappointed now. <laughs> I looked at the guy's bio and I was like, oh, yeah, he's I'm gonna, he's I'm, gonna think, I'm just going to think it's real. So there was a tweet that said, Mac Jones, after he ran a guy over, said, hold my nuts, bitch. And I thought that was hysterical. And it was fake. And now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, definitely fake. Oh, that's so disappointing. Well, they got me. At least I didn't go for a fake check mark. But <laughs> damn it. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Oh, that's sad. That was really funny. But he had a good day, and that made me happy. But all right. Nothing else, Keith? Anything else you want to talk about? That's it. All right. So we will be back after we play Ohio for a podcast. We'll wrap that game up. We'll preview Rutgers. We'll talk about some of the other goings-on with the fall sports. Soccer is playing again, both men's and women's. Um, it's So there's going to be stuff on. I'm going to a huge volleyball game. Next week, they're playing at Yale, so they're playing down the road, so I'm going to go. Um, watch the Olympic sports. They all deserve it. They're all fantastic athletes, and they deserve more recognition. Um, but if that's it, uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, we would greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe there, too. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSTPod44. We also have a YouTube account. There's not a lot posted there, but you can go subscribe to that. Uh, and then don't forget to subscribe, like, we can share with your friends, help us grow. And then that's Keith. I'm Jake. Go Orange. Go Orange.